It's okay, I'm just gonna leave this here so pick up the audio a little bit better. Is it on? I just turned it on right now. It's recording now? Yeah, oh, okay. Can so we continue? Okay. Yeah. I feel bad because Moshe's on here. Okay. So, uh. We can also leave. Remember, it's cool. That's good. Okay. So, uh. So, first of all, it's interesting. I noticed. So, okay. So, let's see if we. Just to summarize what we said before, it, it, that's, that's an ongoing, it's an ongoing uh, process of understanding Shemot Hashem that uh, we have to keep coming back to it and refining it, and it's very fundamental. But the basic point is that the Shemot Hashem are ways of organizing, I would say ways of organizing our understanding of God's operation in the world. We see different, tre- just like you might have in, uh, I don't know, in physics, different forces that operate that you categorize, oh, this is a result of the gravitational force, this is a result of this force. And so you organize the phenomena under the headings of these different forces. Or you'll say, this is a, this is a chemical, these are chemical uh, reactions. Other things are electromagnetic. Other things are, I'm just, you know, throwing out. Or in psychology, you might use different constructs to explain different things as emerging from different systems. Oh, this is a result. This is biologically based. This problem. Oh, this other problem is is socially based. So you use different frameworks. So in the same way, when it comes to Hashem, without referring to Hashem directly, we're looking at God's actions and Hanhaga in the world under different headings. So you'll say, which heading, which system is this, uh, are these phenomena organized under? How can we organize and understand them? What label can we put on them? And that's what the Shem Hashem is. So a person's understanding of Shem Hashem is going to be uh, is going to be constantly revised, just like anything else. I was giving an analogy. It's, it, maybe I'll just quickly repeat it because I think it's important to say. Uh, what happened? No. So I was saying that um, I was saying that an, an analogy I think is useful for thinking about the Shem Hashem. So, in terms of Shem Hashem, I think the best way to think about it is as. Um, organizing categories for the uh, the divine action our understanding of divine action so in the same way in science you might say oh these are chemical this is a chemical phenomenon this is a, a matter of chemical uh, no this is electromagnetic this this right oh this is explained by uh, gravitational or in psychology, you might say, this is biologically and physiological problem that this person has. No, this is a social problem that the person has. No, this is coming from their experiences. It's, uh, it's traumatic, whatever. You have different categories. So in the same way, you're looking at different phenomena and you're saying to yourself, which system of the divine governance is this a manifestation of? Which one should I explain it in terms of? What is it, which one is it clarifying or expressing? And it's sort of categories of understanding. So in that way, our Avodat Hashem is, our, our Yediat Hashem is guided by, by understanding that there are different systems, there are different headings, so to speak, and identifying which heading they go under or which one they're clarifying which one this nifua is clarifying ultimately they're all unified but they're different they're also all unified in physics too I mean everything is invisible hand of economics food chain they're interconnected there's nothing outside of the system it's all one large interconnected system well I think probably ultimately in some way anima vir koltu al panecha Right, the Rambam in the morning Bukhim says, What does it mean? Uh, right? 
אני אעביר כל טובי על פניך וקראתי בשם השם לפניך, אז הרמב״ם says, what does it mean? It means he's going to show you the entire creation and how all the different systems interconnect and interlock and interrelate and how all of the different... וקראתי בשם השם לפניך, and then I'm going to call on the name of Hashem. And then when he says the name Hashem, Hashem, אלו רחום חנון, what's the idea? That Hashem himself doesn't change. Hashem, Hashem, you say two times, right? Say two times, Hashem, Hashem. That's, that there's nothing more to say. But El Rachum Vechanun El Chapayim Bechesbet are the different ways that he manifests his operation in the world that we can see, right? So these can be organized under different headings, but at the end of the day, they're all part of one system, which ultimately comes from Hashem. Just it's helpful for us as creatures to be able to organize it, just like we have to organize in other fields that we study. Uh, you know, but 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 the, what does the Navi say? The Navi says that in the future will be. Hashem will, will have one name. God will have, will have one language and one name when we call, uh, when we call God. That's it. Right? What does it mean, Hashem Echad Echad? It means all these Shemot that are, will be understood how they really, they all derive from one, from one source and they'll all be collapsible. Into, that's the unified theory. But the, the, the divinely based unified theory will, will emerge when we're able to see how all the systems interconnect and emerge from one from one source. But for now that we're in the process of development, we have to identify the different labels and go on. So I think it's interesting. So she she talks about she talks about the natural uh, things that have happened, meaning the things that have happened within the framework of nature that are painful for her. But she talks about it as coming from Hashem, meaning my relationship with Hashem. Hashem Annabi means like he testified against me or he punished me, right? Meaning there was a hashkachah. It wasn't just shaday Marli that nature denied and deprived me of certain things, but it was that Hashem Anabi. That meaning it was designed in order to bring me to a greater understanding, recognition, and teshuvah. That I would, you know, that you know that, that is, and therefore don't call me Naomi. The Kriyat Shem is very interesting because I know very few people. I don't think she ever actually really changed her name to Mara. You know that doesn't ever. Nobody ever calls her that. She calls herself that. She talks about bitter versus na- noam, because na- noam means pleasant, right? So she suffered bitterness, and that's what brought her closer to God and to a greater understanding of what her true identity is and what her true purpose is. It came from the bitterness, you know, as opposed to from the, from the ni'imut that she had before. Ni'imut means when things go your way, right? What is noam? Noam is noam halichot. It goes with the flow. Right, people say this person is Noam Halichot. They use that term in, in Israel all the time. You hear, oh, he's Noam Halichot. It is easy to easy going, right? When things are flowing flowing easily the way that you want, the way that is uh, the way that's the uh, most comfortable and manageable for you, that's called the Neimut, right? When something is Mar, it means that it's something which is a bitter pill to swallow. You know, something bitter means something that is. Contrary to that is uncomfortable for you, that is uh, that is painful for you, even if it's necessary, right? So as opposed to noam, which means that it's good and it's also pleasant. A, a surgery is bitter, but it's good because you need it, right? Something whereas other things can be fun and pleasant and also good. So Naomi is the idea that her life was pleasant and and she was happy with her life at a certain point. We don't know when she really. 
felt that things began to. But, but it could have been. It could have been even before that. I mean, we don't know. Maybe even when they first went to Moff, she wasn't happy about it. We don't know. We don't know if maybe. See, we don't know what we don't know about Naomi, which is interesting, and maybe we can infer from this something. Right? What was their actual process? Meaning, when did she become disaffected with this? Was it that after her husband and her sons died, she reflected and realized that it's because I, you know, I rationalized my assimilation in Moab that this happened to me? Or was there already a process of, res- was she somewhat resistant to the move to begin with, like we were sort of suggesting before, and now, uh, you know, it's just become crystallized in our minds what was already there as a vague kind of intuition before. We don't know the answer to that. I don't think. I don't, I don't think we know. Um, but definitely, because she says, I went full. Meaning like she, she meaning that she, she felt satisfied with her life and she felt good about her life. And this experience uh, seems to have, have changed her, okay? But she must have come, what we must, uh, she must have come with the foundation of understanding to come to the conclusion that she did. In other words, it's not like people die and then all of a sudden she became a philosopher and realized that God, that it had to do with being out of sync with God and, and Ruth all of a sudden knows all about God and the nation of Israel that just happened, you know, all of a sudden. She must have had the foundation there and just hadn't sufficiently reflected on it, processed it, applied it to herself. She went through a bitter experience to bring herself to understand what she now understands. Sometimes that's what happens. It's called learning the hard way, right? You learn the hard way. You knew something in theory, but you didn't internalize it until uh, something went wrong that contradicted. Things were not flowing with the ni'imut that they normally do. So she's saying, call me Naomi. Why would she say that? Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me Naomi, sorry. Call me Mara. Don't call me Naomi. Change my name to uh, Mara. What do you mean? You mean do you think she's... Meaning the same way that the language is quite an opposite. The same way that the interaction with uh, the Yaakov had with the women itself Right. So, what is the significance of a name change? Let's try to define that. What, what, what does it mean when someone's name changes? Thinking my life was great when I left. I left when my life became bitter. Uh, I wasn't ideal. Right. Hello. Uh, Hello. Hello. She said, call, it, call me bitter. Don't call me, uh, don't call me pleasant. Is that the Naomi you knew? Right. I'm a different person. When I was full, I'm now completely... I'm not a I'm a different person. Usually the, the words... The names signify a change of identity, right? A change of a sense. But like you're saying, what is your identity? Your identity is how you see yourself in a, in a broader context, usually, right? How you see yourself, meaning not, I was able to, maybe I was able to see myself as Naomi when, when I had a more limited, when I was thinking in more limited terms. I was like, oh, my life was good. I had, you know, I had food. I had a husband and kids. I was living a... A conventionally happy existence, and so I was able to, uh, I was able to, uh, 
you know, th- go with the flow. And th- but then when life started to work against me, Shaddai Hemarli, the nature, the nature of life, sort of turned back. It sort of like Eov in a way, you know. That uh, that thing. She uses that word a lot too, because also when she was talking to the girls, she said Marli Meod. You know, that the, the, she uses her bitter, right? So the idea that her life turned upside down, but that it changed who she was. It wasn't just, you know, she didn't become bitter, meaning that she is angry at God for what happened. She's accepting her fate and learned from it. And she feels that she's been changed by it. She's saying, I'm a different, I'm a different person. I'm not the person that, that was uh, the naive person who left with, you know, thinking life was just going to go my way. I'm, I'm, I've gone through bitter experiences and it's changed me. I'm a changed person. In that case, like, she's, uh, she's, uh, she likes the fact Right, because I develop, but also what what will it do when other people call her the name? I mean, the name a name that other people call you. So it's not just about her internal. It reminds her, and it also lets them learn something. She's saying when you, well, you know, people saw her and saw her as obviously a wealthy person or whatever who laughed, like kind of a celebrity. She's saying, no, use me as an example that that's not, that wasn't really, that wasn't really the good life, right? It ended up bitter for me, it ended up bad. So it's a, it's a way of educating the people also and saying, you know, don't glamor, don't glamorize, yeah, don't glamorize my, my, my life before. Don't glorify my gangster, my gangster life. Yeah. Know that it was a little bit Right. I mean, I think that fits really well with it. Yeah, it was a type of teshuvah. But part of her teshuvah is also being an example to other people. You know, being an example to other people that they'll realize that they're, uh, that, you know, what she learned, they can also internalize the lesson. You know? It's also possible to say that, you know, there, there might be one element, another element to it, which is that, um, that, it's, you know, a person will seek a life of Ni'imut. Thank you. Will seek a life of Ni'imut a lot of times. This, we seek it. And we think that's really the good. The good is to have a life where everything just falls in the way that I want. And I don't have any conflict with external reality. It was much easier. And so the idea that, no, actually, God does not, doesn't make the world that way because a person... Uh, who tries? Why did they? Oh, another way. Uh, here's another way to think about it. Actually, it just popped into my head. Why did they run away to begin with? Because the ni'imut of their life was being compromised. They ran away because things went bad in Israel, and rather than try to work on the situation and make it better, and deal with the situation, yeah, having nosedived, you know, they went somewhere. They ran away, thinking we're going to cling to our comfortable, our comfortable life. And when they ran away from it, that's when it became ten times worse. Right, it became much worse, and and that's what she's, you know, she's reflecting on. Meaning this, the chasing after the ni'imut and not facing the, not facing the difficulties that life brought is actually what got us into even worse. Right. And, and that we had to learn the hard way because we didn't take the opportunity to uh, learn from it when things were when, when, when weren't as bad let's put it that way you know when things weren't as bad we thought oh we'd better preserve our idealist idyllic uh, naive naimut 
but really it ended up just costing us everything. We lost everything. So, so the uh, so and and therefore use me as an example for what happens. And because God did this, now I was able to return. But I return as a different person, a person who's no longer in that comfortable. She no longer has the peace of mind and the comfort that she once had. But she has a, she's disillusioned, but now more in touch with reality. And had she been proactive and been able to. Uh, come to terms with the reality and fix things before they ran away, then things would have been better. Hypothetically. Right? So that, that makes sense. So she said, don't call me Naomi. Because that was my whole problem, that I wanted to be Naomi. I wanted things to be so pleasant. So I, I abandoned everything here because things started, got tough. You know? That makes sense. So this is her new identity. She's now an example of what happens when you chase after the... Uh, the imut of life. So then they come. It says, "Vatashov naomi kovot Moab yakalataima ashava misadei Moab veima ba'u betlechem betchilat ketzir sobri." So, um, but the amazing thing again is that she also she sees the entire thing in terms of her journey to reconnect with God. God did this using the name of Kevavke that God caused this to happen because that was the only way we could learn. We couldn't learn. We didn't learn from from the uh, initial tsara to do the right thing. Just like what it says, you know, when, they, when there's tsarot and they don't blow the chatzotrot to, to rectify the problem, it becomes worse. Right? It says, you know, it'll get even worse. When you don't rectify the initial, when you don't respond, you try to ignore or deny or run away from the things start to go bad and don't realize that it's a result of your own. You when things start to go bad, that's like the, the calling. Like, hey, wake up, just do something good. Now, they did do something good, instead they ran away. Trying to preserve what good they had left. So it just becomes worse. But, but, but they had the even worse uh, klala afan. So now that she comes back, she says, now I understood. Through the mara, I understood. But God brought me to understand it through that, so I, had, I learned through that path of klala. With what, and she experienced it even worse than them, because everyone else's fortunes were restored, because things went better. And she now comes uh, wrecked. And she was the one who thought she was getting the better end of the deal, or their family thought they were getting the better end of the deal by running away. But actually, they got worse, and everyone else's fortunes were restored by sticking with it and, and making it better, seemingly, right? And now we're going to see how that happened. And this is the really interesting thing, which is the introduction of the next character, which is Boaz. Because Boaz seemingly uh, plays a, you know, played a role. Well, we'll see. Okay. Yeah, he plays a role yeah. in people's... Coming, coming back to God. Right. That's the thing. It doesn't mean he was a soldier. It means he was a su- successful person. Right? He was a successful guy named Elimelech. So she said, look, I'm going to go collect uh, welfare from the different... Um, I'll find a, a field that will they'll let me come in. Why did she think they wouldn't let her come in? Because yeah, she's a stranger. They don't know her. They don't, uh, uh, they don't recognize her. She's a Moavia. What are you doing collecting things in the field? They don't know. <coughs> she'll find a place where they accept her and she'll go. So it just happened to be. Of course, we know that that's not really just happened to be. Whatever. She ended up in the in in the field of Elimelech. Of Boaz, the field of Elimelech. He got an aliyah to the Zohar. 
Vayomer ulo yivarech hachashem. And they said yivarech hachashem. That's where it comes from. No, I mean, no, the other way around. He learned that from going to Shul. Is it getting enough? Okay, this is his active participation in changing culture. Right. So this is what, right. So th- we talked about this one time, I think. Maybe last time we were here. I don't know. I remember talking about this Mishnah. I heard you say this. Yeah. Because every time I go to Yenel, yeah, I get Yeah, because this, in the, in the Mishnah, in Masachet uh, uh, Bachot, right? It talks about the, um, it talks about the, uh, uh, it talks about the um, okay. right. It's a time to do over Hashem. So she they're breaking the Torah, and it gives an example that 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 Boaz instituted the idea sheilat shalom b'shem Hashem. Right. Even though normally that wouldn't be allowed, he was mitaken sheilat shalom b'shem Hashem. Right, so they. Can so you that's because normally in a mundane case, saying Yivarech Hashem, and he's saying the actual Yud Kevav Kenim Hashem, like just in a casual greeting, like it seems scandalous to do such a thing. Right here, let's look up the since, since we don't have the book here, but we can look up Masechet uh, I think. Um, it's towards uh, the end of the Masechet somewhere. <coughs> Maybe even the very end, let's see. Yeah. Um, it says, this is Masechet Bechot Perek Tet, last Mishnah, I think. V'itkinu she'e adam sho'el et shlom chavero b'ashem. Shenemar v'ine boaz ba mi b'lechem v'yom al-kotzim ma'ashem v'achem v'yom al-kotzim ma'ashem v'achem v'yom al-kotzim ma'ashem v'achem This is in Tanya? No, right? This is Bachot, when we did Bachot in the dreams V'omer v'ashem imcha gibor achai Wait, it said to Gidon V'omer al-tabuz kizah Okay, there's other pesukim And then Rabbi Nadat says Eferu to adachai dasot Okay, so the point is that um, you, Even though it's somewhat scandalous To be invoking the name of Hashem In a Monday Using the name of Hashem That's the thing In other words you're normally the name of Hashem Why do we not say the name of Hashem casually? Because it's supposed to be something that is revered You have reverence for it Which means it's not to be utilized for, for a practical purpose You don't But in, in Definitely not for self Right, self, for, a social, for social interaction You say, you know, you're invoking Social interaction has some self-selfish yeah, motives Yeah, so like personal Right, a personal or or I don't want to selfish might be too negative but like you know a personal agenda personal reasons you're using the name of God usually that would be discouraged and especially in the mundane uh, context even when even when people invoke God in a uh, in an appropriate context but they do it disingenuously just to add some like uh, pomp or some perceived only like political speeches to put in the name of God and things like that um, where it's somewhat disingenuous, but here it's just a mundane kind of a setting. Uh, like every president will end with a "God bless America" all the time. It's like whatever that means. But they will, they, you know. But here it's not even that. It's not even some grandiose speech about the future of the country. It's just like two guys talking. Hey, you know, it's using the name of God in a very casual way. So that would seem to take away, right? That would seem to take away from kedushat Hashem. As part of the Kiddushah that we treat God's name is we don't say it unnecessarily or pronounce it unnecessarily because we recognize that it's not ours to, to, uh, uh, to utilize, you know, as we wish. So the Takana is a little bit of, it's against that. 
So the question is, why was he mitakin this concept? And I think that, the, you know, the shot of the pasuk, a person could read this pasuk and just be like, okay, it's just, tell, it's just introducing a story. Boaz came and said, may God bless you. Oh, yeah. But it's like, well, why would it tell you, like, what if he said, yo, what's up, guys? And they were like, hey, what's up? Is it going to tell you that? Probably not. It would just say, Boaz came. And they said, and he said, uh, who is that girl? Why does it have to mention how they greeted each other? It's extraneous to the, uh, it's not necessary for the, for, the, for the plot, how they greeted each other. Hello, how are you? Question on that, Mishnah. <laughs> yeah. Why to vote the talking about how the, uh, about the, um, that's sort of like on a different, um, hold on. Again. That was um, talking about um, I think it's talking back to the idea of the takanot. The idea of takanot. One second. Does he explain it? How did we explain that before? Changing tradition. Changing tradition. Hold on, I remember that we had an explanation for it at the time. Why they bring that puzzle? Whoops! Now I clicked out of it. Let's see. Right, it was saying, don't, don't, degrade, don't assume that the people who made these takanot didn't know what they're talking about, meaning respect the, respect the people who made takanot. But the, the idea is he made this takana. Why, why is it so important to mention he made this takana? Or why is it so important to Tanakh to mention how he greeted the people with the name of God? And then the, the Mishnah goes so far to say it's actually a takana that he made, that they had to greet people with the Shem Hashem. What's the answer? What are they showing you? It's showing you that he was obviously, and we, this is what we talked about. We talked about once before that he was actively involved in trying to heighten people's awareness of right, change the culture, to embed the Shem Hashem in the culture of the people was necessary. It was it la Normally, wouldn't do that, but there was no other way to, uh, you know, like we say bachor all the time. They didn't have that yet. Maybe, maybe it would be, you know, it would be different today. We say Hashem's name all the time. We, every time we eat, we say Rachot and all that. That's all the Rabbanan. Right? But the Rambam says the reason is to make a person constantly aware of God. There's so many reasons to say Rachot all the time. Okay? So, in this, so they, he, was in, he embedded it in the social interactions of the people. He embedded an awareness of God. So even though it might seem like it's a denigration of God, it's actually not. It's the opposite. It's actually a heightening of awareness of God among the people. That was what they needed. They needed that. Why is it important to see that? Why does the Tanakh bring that to us? Tanakh is bringing it to us because... In contrast to Elimelech. Right. And he clearly had been making... Because if you're wondering why ki hapakad Hashem right? What, what happened? What changed? People like it. Right. So you see that Boaz is a person who is going and speaking like that. Now, you can't tell from the text that he's the one who instituted that. Oh, Chazal comments that he was the one. He was the one who instituted it. Well, you see later that he was a leader type of person. So maybe it makes sense. But the first thing that you notice is that he is 
plays Igor Chayel, which means people are focused on him, and if he's doing this, I think... Right, he's influential. It's like if you can get one of the influencers right. to do something, and everyone follows along, right. you know? So even if he didn't make a takana, he could have done it by example and heightened people's awareness, and, and it spreads. People do what's cool. The cool guy's doing it, will do it. Right. And so the... Uh, so that's, 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 so Boaz is involved in this shift in culture, whatever we want to say, right? He's, he's involved in this shift in the awareness of God. And that could be an explanation for a person who's wondering why all of a sudden is, because in the opening pasuk that talked about the Ra'av Baritz, it doesn't mention anything about God. It just mentions that there was a famine and they left, Right? Now, all of a sudden, why? Maybe because the people's relationship with God has been substantially restored by the efforts of people like us to bring God back into the picture, you know, bring God back into people's conscious awareness. And, uh, and that, was, that you can see here that in the casual interaction, between, even if you didn't know Boaz was a leader, in the casual interaction between a landowner and his workers, they're mentioning God's name. And may God bless you and may God be with you and all that. Meaning that there's a, a persistent emphasis on it's woven its way into the inter- daily interactions of the people, okay? Which for most people, the um, when you're in the human world, the social interaction is a, a significant in and of itself. You know, that's that that's your source of identity. That's your sense of importance. What makes me important is that I'm the landowner and you're the worker, right? What makes me important is that I'm the successful, admired guy, or. And and the, you know and the social framework is what gives us our sense of identity and sense of uh, significance. So the fact that they're bringing God into that is like basically targeting the society where it needs it the most, rather than getting lost in this human framework. It's bringing God into the picture. Okay, now he asks, "Who is this girl?" Right? <laughs> This is a Moabite girl. Right? So it's saying she's exactly what the Pasuk means with is different ways of possibly spinning it, but the main the main point is that she was busy all day long and she was working with tremendous Devotion, dedication, non-stop collecting of the sheaves. Okay? Now there's one possibility that I saw raised um, by some of the modern commentators that she was taking things that she normally... Like the Midrash always characterizes it like, oh, she, was, she knew everything about the halachot. She didn't take the wrong thing. She only took... But probably the pshat is... I think probably Harav Maidan said it in his book. It's probably where I got it. That probably the opposite. She probably didn't know. She was taking everything because she didn't know what the exact halachot. How would she know? She didn't, you know, she didn't know the exact halachot of what you're allowed to take or not. But it says that uh, when someone also tells, it's, uh, tells her to go, go behind Right, he says take more. And, yeah, and, and, and also it, it sounds like she's following the kutsrim. And like, so she's out of place. She's noticeable. She's out of place. Oh, aren't you supposed to follow the kutsrim? Whatever they drop, you pick up? Uh, you're supposed to go after, yeah. I mean, I don't know. But, uh, but he, he something made her stand out. Right. Maybe that there were only guys there and she was the only girl. Maybe normally the men did it. You know, right. so she he, he's, but she's been working very hard and very dedicated. And then he talks to her. Right. Did I, miss? I thought I read it. 
No, yeah, that she that was right. that by not. No, so she has barely rested. Oh, sorry. That's the thing. He tells her, stick with the girls. Because maybe she didn't know. She's going around, you know. So she, she didn't necessarily know she wasn't supposed to follow the men, be with the guys, you know. She, uh, she got confused. Or she wasn't aware of the... So, but either way, the point is that um, he says to her, don't go to any other field, meaning I'm going to look out for you. I'm going to look out for you. Now, I told the boys not to bother you, not to go near you. Okay? Just keep work doing what you're doing, and if you're thirsty, you can go take from our water. Right? So he's basically giving her a VIP, you know, fast pass, whatever, uh, to, to take as much as she wants, and, and even she can have something to drink if she wants. Right? Normally people would go and collect a little bit probably and go home and stay all day long. It's like someone who goes to the all-you-can-eat all buffet and thinks it's literal. You know? You're staying all day long. Why would you recognize me? I'm only a non-Jew. That basically is what it means. I'm a stranger. What does this show you about Boaz? Okay. We'll see. Vayan Boaz Vayomer. Very similar, evokes definitely themes of Avram. Yeah, for sure. You left everything behind. You left your mother and father behind. You came to a place that you didn't know. Okay. So, uh, and uh, you came to this nation. So, that's what impressed me. So again, he brings in the idea of Hashem right in there. That may Hashem reward what you've done and may your reward be complete from Hashem, the God of Israel. So that's kind of, that's the first time we saw that. Hashem, the God of Israel, right? So he's basically endorsing or confirming or affirming that she's a Jew because he's saying the God of Israel that you have come under his wings meaning she calls herself a Nukhya and he corrects her there also right. yeah, yeah. You're, you're one of us now you're, one of us. you're stuck yeah so it seems like he corrects a bunch of things at first yeah like he corrects the fact that he's with the girls so with, the, with the boys then he says uh, he corrects the second thing he says um I'm going to tell the boys not to bother you. So he's teaching her some kind of differentiation between guys and girls. Right. And then now you're not a non-Jew, you're a Jew. Right. And right, that seems to be there too. What exactly the boys and girls thing seems to more relate to the fact that she's out of sorts. She doesn't really yeah, know the protocol. Yeah, she doesn't really know the protocol. That's the shot of it. I think that Rav Maidan is right about that. that that's the shot of it. But um, but either way, the, he sees the great, you know, that she left everything behind to come to a nation together with her. You know, she went together with her mother-in-law on this journey of leaving everything she had behind and to come be part of a nation that she never knew before. Again, kind of supports Rashi's idea that she's converted then and not before. But whatever, we can debate that. The Ibn Ezra would probably have his own defense for that. 
but that Hashem should reward her and that, that you have now become a part of the Jewish people, that you've come to take refuge under God's wing, so to speak. Now, the, 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 um, the interesting thing is that another element of... Uh, Let's go. That's the root of uh, they're trying to make you not have the emotion. They don't want you to make it easy. Now, anyway, the, um, the the thing is, it's a um, it's a um, it's a, you see the type of person that Boaz is. It's not just the God talk part, which is part of it, obviously, the awareness of God, but you see that he's involved in Chesed. The generosity of Boaz, which is another element that contrasts him, let's say, with Elimelech on one hand, or in general, that is the Abrahamic, or you know, the 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 the, the quality, the distinct, the you distinct see him quality. trying to fix fix things all the time. Like he's yeah. actively trying to change our culture, help help everybody out. Yeah, from the Shani Machem right. to the uh, the way giving, he's changing the economy to get yeah. Helping her in her personal... And even though she's a nochuya, meaning he doesn't... He doesn't... Uh, he recognizes her. Obviously, he's accepting her as a Jew, but the point is that he's a person of chesed that is, you know, extending his generosity even to this person that doesn't know anything and doesn't, right. just, you know, just just showed up yesterday. And, uh, and is, um, you know, th- these two qualities of the recognition of God and tzedakah are the two core qualities of Am Yisrael, basically, is the Yichud Hashem and the Chesed and the Tzedakah. So he's really revolutionizing through his example. You can see he's, 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 this is where, what has revitalized the Jewish people's uh, spiritual health. The, the personality of Boaz, you can see. But that's, what, that's where it's coming from. And this is the answer to you know, what change occurred from the uh, period that they left to now, that now you have a person like Boaz who's out there and educating the people through his example, through his, through his talk, but also through the way that he distributes resources, which is a big part of, uh, you know, is a big part of what Am Yisrael is supposed to be. Chesed, and obviously the Torah is full of the idea of, of the economy being, a, and the, you know, the distribution of wealth being a way that we uh, show our recognition of God. It's a way of showing the recognition of God. And I think we talked, we mentioned one time in passing years ago, the idea of that the, the Torah doesn't tell you, it does have idea of Truman, Maaser, and Maaser Ani and things like that. But most of the Matanot for the Aniim are not going and giving the Matanot. It's actually letting them come take it. Like Shikha, whatever I forgot, Leket, Pea, you leave a corner of the field and they come. Right, meaning the idea is recognizing that it belongs to God. Not everything, meaning limiting. Right, limiting my balut over the over what I have. So over the bracha, limiting my monopoly over the bracha. So if I were to take it and gather it, 
and then go give it, so that would be like, it's mine, and I am a really great guy, so I am giving it to you. The fact that it is, no, it, it empowers them to come. They're taking it uh, from the hand of God, basically. Recognizing that what is, that all the bracha comes from God, and bread is not really mine. You're saying two things. You're saying it's empowering to the recipient, and it's... Right. For the for the person for the giver, it humbles him. For the person for the giver, it humbles him. And for the for the person for the ani, it's saying, okay, you have a there's a different venue. The Torah provides you a different venue from which to receive the bracha from God. You didn't get it from your own field because you were poor. You got it this way. So you come and take it. You're doing it. You're not doing the bracha of. Planting and plowing and all of that, but instead you're coming and, and gathering, right? So you're you're still involved in in acquiring your sustenance from God in a different way, but that's a that again that's a, a God conscious like shemitah. What is shemitah basically? You let everybody take uh, whatever grows in the field, meaning it all belongs ultimately to God, and everything is equal. Everyone is equal in the eyes of God, and that's that's what shemitah is about. This is not quite that because it's not everything, not everything given away. But a portion to remind you where it really comes from and uh, to give the anim an understanding that they also have a right to the blessing that comes to the world even if they didn't uh, even if they didn't manage to produce it themselves okay so that's but that revolutionizes the whole sense of economy so the way that the physical blessing that's received from God is looked at is different okay so that so not only is the awareness of God heightened but with awareness of God comes a different attitude towards material resources, towards material goods, towards harvest, towards labor, towards all of those things change when you have a perspective, uh, a God-based perspective. It's change, that, that's what's changed. You can see what's changed. in, in. So, um, but don't, and, and, and that's what attracts people like, you know, uh, that, that's what we could say is, you know, is the type of nation that Naomi and would want to be a part of. It's a, that, that's a, even if they have to be the ones who are gathering the sheep, they'd rather be a part of a nation with this kind of, an, uh, of a mentality. Now, I'm not even good enough to be one of your servants. Thank you for saying such encouraging words, accepting me and acknowledging me. So what's the, what's the relevance? What do you do? This goes beyond what he did before. Because before he was just doing what the Torah tells you. Right? But the Torah tells you you have to leave the sheaves for the poor people. Okay, he went out of his way to give her instructions and so on, but but he um, he invited her to lunch. Like his workers, right? His workers who are guys, because he's not, and he let her have lunch, and he gave her extra and so much that she had leftover. You know, she was full and she had leftover. He, He invited her. Um, so he's extending chesed to her individually, not just as a part of the general system of right. This is going beyond. It's not. It's achnasat orchim, I guess. You know, it's not. It goes beyond uh, the following the strict, following the general, you know, the the general principle of the halacha. Uh, 
Okay. What can we do? You might have a good swing. I. Uh, no, he said that the, there is like a story that have a shita, have a shita of the whole thing, like I was telling you about, like Rav Medan book. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, the Talmud, that was a good point, actually. I liked it. Right, because I had spoken about Abram versus Bilam, but the Talmud, it's a good point. I liked it. Okay, so, um, but also you have Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. Not a lot about Beit Shammai. <laughs> what does it say about each of them, the teachers? Okay, so the, anyway, um, so right, so he invites her. So that's first of all seems like it's a it's a different level of mitzvah because because what he has to do for leket and shichan these are chovot a person has to do right. So hachnasar rochim you don't have to invite every single person. He invites her. This is no. flirtatious or this is uh, no. It doesn't seem like you guys are sitting with all the guys. It says come sit. He's showing her favor. He gives her extra, so she's fallen. She even has left her showing her favor. So the question is, is it because she's a giorat, a special mitzvah of you know chesed or is a giorat? We don't know that. We can't say, but we don't know. So I looked around. I don't want to sound like a kofar. Well, you know, there is a midrash that says that this was is like the day. There, there, there's a, there is a midrash that says that it was the day that his wife died, right? There's, I think there's a midrash that says it was the day his wife died. <clears throat> or something like that. I, I think so. That his wife had just died, meaning that the, 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 the co- coast was clear for, uh, for, for somebody else. Even if it wasn't, he's allowed to marry more than one wife. No, but he was a smart man. So he's not going right. to do that. It's, it's, it's not wise it's not recommended there's nobody in Tanakh that other than the kings whoever did well marrying more than one wife it was always problems they never did it Yaakov was because he was tricked Avram only because he couldn't have a child Yitzchak didn't none of the Shvatim say that they had more I mean it doesn't say Yehuda had one wife Yosef had one Yehuda had one wife and an extra that was after she was dead. She died. Oh, right. so, he was he was having a midlife crisis. I would say. Interestingly, you know, obviously that's also connected to the story because yes. it's descended. The, so one of the things, one of the interesting themes in the story, we're getting a, not off topic actually, just jumping, is that both both Moab and Ammon, right, and also Yehud, and also. Parrots, right? They both come from like illicit unions. They both come from, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like Lot had with his daughters. For two of them, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and, and the way that Boaz marrying Ruth is cast is kind of like a yibu. Like I'm being, you know, even though it's not halachically technically. But, um, but, uh, I, you know, some of them are she say, oh yeah, you know, there used to be a minhag to do a type of yibum with the closest relative, even if it wasn't a brother, that was a minhag be Israel, and that's why they did it. Even though it wasn't really yibum. It, it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense to do it. Yeah, because you want to continue the line. Yeah. And if not, the lady is kind of screwed. Lost, yeah. So the, 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 the thing was Lot with his daughters, and then you have Yehuda with Tamar. You have, in both cases, a relationship of a an older man with a younger woman 
who really shouldn't be having a relationship with for one or the other reason, either because it's own daughter or daughter-in-law. And, uh, and in both cases, the woman initiates it because the girls are the one that say, hey, let's, we think the world is ending. We better get our father drunk. And yeah, and she does too, yeah. And then in the case of, uh, in the case of Yudha and Tamar also, she disguises herself at a time when Yudha is very vulnerable because he's lonely and his wife died and all that and, and gets him to uh, go with her. And, uh, and in both cases, it's a situation where the continuity is at stake, basically, because in the case of the, in the, <clears throat> there and then in the case of, in the case of Yehuda, uh, there's not going to be any continuity for, for uh, Erev Onan, there's not going to be anybody. And in the case of, uh, of Lot, the daughters think, you know, there's not going to be Ishlo, Ishba, there's nobody to come. Right? So then, there's not going to be any continuity of their family either. So, um, so and so, it's very interesting, and that's really at the heart of what Yibum is, because the heart of what Yibum is actually the woman asking, because the woman comes and says, "I want the Yibum," and the and then the husband is the one who says, "No, I want chalitza," and then they spit, they they throw, they take up, they say, "Oh, you're bit chalutza naal and all that," and. It's like a, it's considered a bushah. Yeah. yeah, but that's later. I'm talking about leading up to the meaning. Leading up to the root. So root is like the I, the fact that root comes from Moab, and the fact that Boaz comes from Peretz. They both come from a relationship like that, and their relationship is like that because root, her husband died. She's the younger one. She sneaks into the bed. You know, sneaks in at night. And, and, and seemingly, you know, maybe when we get there, maybe you'll have a different interpretation, but it seemingly uses her feminine wiles or uses, like, uses some of the, uh, of the uh, sexual tension or whatever it is in the room to get his interest and uh, convinces him to take an interest in her for the sake of sort of like sealing her membership in the Jewish people. But it's really about the, and, and I think what becomes clear in the end of the book is it's really about the continuity of, continuity of Naomi, not about Ruth. Because it says, ben, there, a, ben, a child was born for Naomi, that's at the end. You know? So it's a, it seems like there's a, there, that element. That's weird, because nothing to do with Naomi. It's not really to keep the sons of Naomi memory alive. It's more that Naomi has no, nobody to carry on her legacy. And that's what it seems like in the book. Anyway, but right now, right, so either he's extending chesed, or you, you, you might read between the lines into something more um, romantic. I hadn't thought of that, but I, I simply, you know, on a simple level, he's extending chesed to somebody that he knows is in need, and also she's a gyorit, so there's an extra mitzvah of, you know, chesed to the, uh, to the gear. Why is there a special mitzvah of chesed to the gear more than a regular person? What's the reason? There's nobody there to take care of her. So what? Huh? What's the reason there's a special um, if you look in the Rambam can I borrow your Rambam again for a second I don't want to bump you let me show you there's an interesting Rambam what's the question why is there a special extra mitzvah of being nice to a gay what, what's, the, what's the rest? there's also there's already it includes everybody the is also Jewish why do you have an extra mitzvah of loving the gay because they don't have enough, they don't have anyone else. They don't, there's no, uh, there's yeah. many people that don't have anyone else. So there's no like support system. Yeah. Because there's no. So nachala. Not only nachala, but even before, 
like what's great about Amisrael is there's its own network of people. Like you have <coughs> grandfather, father, child, all in the same home. Like so everyone's in the network already. So, huh? So they're in the network. They're not, but they don't. They don't have the father. They don't have the grandfather. They don't have the. So you, it's, it's commanding you to be that. It's commanding you to be the network for them because they don't have anybody else. Like you might be inclined. The what? Like the Garyat. Yeah, you might be inclined. But they're always together. together. You might be inclined to, to take care of your kids because there, you have an affinity to your kids. You love your kids, apparently, right? But but you, what about what about other people? So the, the ger and the yatom dalmanah don't have that father figure. You have to be that father figure. You're, you're extending outside of your immediate sphere. Right, you're, you're bringing them into your sphere right. because they don't have that. They wouldn't friends. otherwise have that. Bring them into your right. I'll confess, you know. Right, so there's a, uh, there's a, um, there's also, right, like you said, there's Yatom Balmana, and the Rambam has in Ilchot Deot, Chayav Adam Ezer Beitomim Balmanot, Mepnei Shenefshan Shvala Lemaot, Uchan Nemucha, right? Afilu Almanato Shel Melech, Yitom Av Shel Melech, and then he says, Anybody gets upset is going to be in trouble. And it says, "Vrit karat lehen misha amar vayaulam shekol zman shem tzuakim mechamas in anim." Any time that they cry out, God is going to answer them. Right? God becomes their network. Right. So the idea is that what's the reason? What's really since the whole principle of the chod deod and our treatment of other people is valachta b'tzuachav, imitating the ways of God. So if God is saying there's a special relationship between me and this individual, right? Is because uh, it is because Hashem is the Ohev Ger let it God has an Ava for the Ger, so a person has an Ava for the Ger. God has a special concern for the Itami Balmanot, so we have to. In other words, our actions vis vis other people are supposed to reflect the divine action. Those individuals, like you said, they don't have a support system. Their only support is God. So you are the agent of God. You are the extent. You are the hand of God. You are the one who is uh, because God is saying He has a special relationship with them. You are. Your relationship with them is a reflection of that. Your extra relationship with, with them is because they're most you can I, be like God. Yeah, because a person who a gear actually has their own independent relationship with God, so to speak, because they chose to join the Jewish people. So they're a Jew, but they're also a person who independently, as an individual, chose to be a Jew. They have a different different than being born into the group. You have a sort of in a klali way you inherited a relationship with God through being a Jew but they actually not only are they part of that type of uh, uh, package of uh, Hashkacha but they also have their own individual relationship that they forged that they entered into with God their own breath that they entered into with God accepting the Torah that we didn't do we never said I accept the Torah and I accept the mitzvot we never had to do that as individuals they have their own and so therefore they have a separate status a, a different status they, they, they're given special chesed so it could be because, it says because, because Hashem loves them meaning that there's a, they have a separate unique relationship with God because it's partially because of their needs like you said just like Yatom Balma that's why they're put together with Ger Yatom Balmana like you said they're, they're people that don't have a social network especially back then you would come to another country you would come to another place you didn't have any you, you had to totally cut ties with wherever you were before Right, so you, it was also geographical and political. The becoming a gear it was a, it was it was more geographical and political and nationalistic than the idea of gerut today. So they had that. They have the fact that they're more in need, which puts them in the same category as the atom but they also have a unique, separate thing, which is that they have their own 
special relationship with Hashem because they chose, they embraced, they took upon themselves the relationship with God. And that's what entitles them to a special divine providence. And as a function of that, we also, part of that divine providence is that we also support them and give them special treatment. So in the case of a uh, Avrut, so it could be just because he was doing his general, he knew that her needs were more acute, or it could be because of the gear thing. Because he mentioned both of them. He mentioned that she left her mother and father and everything and came there and she was alone. He also mentioned that she came to join the Jewish people and uh, come under the wings of God, God's presence. Either way, he's gone above and beyond what the halacha would require. He's allowing her, not, he didn't only allow her uh, to partake but of the food, but he actually is inviting her to the meal, right? Which is... Which, he allows her to take stuff. That's the next part, right? And then he says, she got up to collect more, let her also take from the bundles and don't embarrass her. Right? Meaning she doesn't know that you're only supposed to take the loose sheaves. You're not supposed to take, you know, you're not supposed to take everything. And if you do take a bundle, it's only like one uh, thing. You're not supposed to take from among the, from among the gathered things. You're not supposed to take. Also, you should drop extra ones, right? You should do extra, drop it on purpose, make it look like an accident, whatever. Let her take it and don't uh, bother her. It's a lot, a huge amount. Okay? So she ended up spending the whole day and gathering a huge amount of grain thanks to the, uh, thanks to Boaz. So, so there are three shlavim in, in, in the chesed of Boaz. One is that he, uh, one is when he welcomes her to the field and, and gives her some guidance and how to, how, what to do. The second is when he invites her for a meal. And the third is when he even, um, not only is she allowed to collect in the field and not only is she invited to a meal, but he artificially creates circumstances that ends up, up with even more than she normally would. Okay, so he's, he's, he's doing all of these things in order to, and you see from that the character of Boaz. Right, you see from that the the level, uh, you know, how much he's extending himself. Right. Now, but the voice. Yeah. How? Okay. Because he didn't do. He ran away from everything, and he's literally getting all in with everybody, even the gear, even the person that doesn't belong. He's he's helping everyone. Like that's all you see from this whole chapter. That's the thing. He's. you can tell from that his character. He's, the people who need more awareness of God, he's giving them more awareness of God. The people who need the material things, he's the material thing. The hero, he's the new hero. Yeah. And, and this are all things that would, that would help perfect or fix up society. Yeah. So he should get the credit for that. It seems like that he's giving, the book is giving him the credit. Yeah, he's getting, he, uh, he seems to be the engine behind whatever re- renaissance, renaissance happened in, in, in his Right? So, um, so not only did Naomi get to benefit from the uh, collected uh, the collected grain, but also from whatever was left over from the lunch or dinner or whatever it was that she had, she brought home also. Whoever recognized you should be blessed. Where, where did you go that you got all this up? Oh, Hashem. 
אשר לא עזב חסתו את החיים ואת המתים. ותאמר לה נעמי, קרוב לנו האיש מגואלנו הוא. So she explained that he's a relative of ours, right? He's not just any random person. Boaz never mentioned that. Right? Which is interesting. Why is that? Boaz never said, oh, by the way, you know, I'm your, I'm your cousin or whatever. Right, so what does that show you again about Boaz? It doesn't even seem that he, that was a factor for him. Yeah, he would have, he's not doing it only because he's a cousin. He's doing it. He would have done it for anyone. It seems like anybody in that circumstance would have gotten the same treatment. It was just, it happened to be that it's there. He's like, Right? It's of no consequence to think that she's related, sort of, yeah, or from that family. He doesn't seem to be, she, he didn't want him, he didn't want her to think that it was being done or for anyone to think it was being done because of the family connect, because of protectia, what we call it, that they had, you know, as they, as they say. It should be done for the right, only because of and what's right in the, you know, in terms of Torah, not because of who, the, who I am or who you are or anything else. It's similar to, you know, when Pinchas goes after uh, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Midiani the woman, Midianite woman and, 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 uh, and, and Zimri, that it doesn't mention their names. It says there was a there was a guy who went from the Shevet Shimon and there was, he took a Midianite woman and they went and then it just says he killed them it doesn't say who they were and then in the next thing it says oh by the way it was a princess and the and a Nasi Shevet but the the point is that it didn't matter to him he didn't see that he didn't that wasn't the that wasn't the reason that wasn't the reason he did it and it wasn't a reason not to do it right so he did it just because of uh, principle. <laughs> Yeah, it was a I guess would be right. So, so, <clears throat> so, what does it mean he didn't leave his chesed with the chayim and the metim? She knows what's up. <laughs> Meaning what? She knows what's about to happen. She's. But what is she referring? An opportunity for. You think she's already thinking about like that? The obvious question is about why the Chaim and the Metin. She's Chaim, her sons are Metin. Right, it's a meaning. But what exact Chesed is talking about? It's not clear. What Chesed did he do with the Metin? Chesed that will be done for her sons. But he didn't say she said did already. Oh, you're saying that she's saying in the future. She says, you're saying. The journey has been laid forth. You're saying that she's predicting the future. It, it sounded like. Uh. Oh, okay, that's a dra- that's a drasha. I like that though. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. That he's doing it out of uh, out of a certain rec- respect for the dead. Could be. Could be that he did. It could be that he helped them out when they were still alive, and we don't know about that. Meaning that he had been a friend to them in the past, and, and we don't know about that. Could be. Could be that he had done things for them. Maybe he, maybe he paid for their wedding. I don't know. Okay. So, but Tomer wrote that Movia Gam ki Amar Elai imanerim asher di tibakin adim kilu et kol akatzir shavim. 
She told me to keep coming back until the entire harvesting is done. In other words, it wasn't just a one-time thing. He told me to come for the rest of the season. It's going to be a very costly venture if he keeps it up like that. Better that you go with his girls and not be attacked in another one. Interesting, just random observation. No, uh, I don't have an explanation or chidush to share with you, but what's the, um, this period of time is a significant period of time in the calendar. Because it's the Ketzir Sawrim. It says they arrived there in Tchilat Ketzir Sawrim. And now, he's, now it's the end of and say she was. This is now the ketzir chitim. So it's from the time of the Omer, basically, right from Pesach. And 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 Shavuot is like the ketzir chitim time, right? So you're talking about basically that that period of time that overlaps Pesach to Shavuot. I'm just saying. I don't know. Right. Maybe it's just. Maybe that's just what happened. Um, when you gather, and that's when people go to. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Could that could be the answer? It sounds like what the Ibn Ezra would say. Like he quotes these people, who say, "Oh, what's the reason why she took this much green?" And he's like, oh, "Because that's how much she took." What do you mean? What's the reason? Why, why is her name Ruth? Well, he must have been Josh, but he said it was in Josh. It's actually a legit Midrash. Unless that was a, that was a shooting. Yeah. Maybe her real name is something else. Wait, but one second. Is there any significance to it? I want to know. I just want to finish that one point. Let's see if we can see any point here. Is there any significance to that time period? That it mentions the time period, or it's just part of the story, because that was. It's just trying to tell you the extent of the chesed. It went through the through the It was entire year basically of harvest. She was going back and forth, meaning just to give you a sense of the extent of the. I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I just think there's also during that time. A religious significance to that time, meaning Yitziat Mitzrayim, she left Moab, she came to Eretz Israel. You have acceptance of Torah, Shavuot. All these ideas are are also an element of the story, meaning it's a time of it's a time of transform of rebirth, transformation, recommit recommitting to to Judaism. It's the the the, the idea of the uh, like the Ralbag says. Like uh, Pesach being the time of the Ketir Seorim versus Ketir Chetim, because Seorim is actually animal food. People, you know, like they give the animals, right? So the Ketir Chetim is human food. And, and, and so on the, the Omer, the Korbana Omer that's brought on, this, on Pesach is just parched grain. It's not like made into any cake or anything like that. It's a parched grain. So that means unformed. Un, right. But, but Shabbat, you have to bake it into Lechem. And an interesting other halakha is that the Omer, the preparation of the Omer, can be even on Shabbat. Whereas the Shteelechem can't be. It has to always be before. It can never be done on Shabbat or even on Yom Tov. It's done before. And they bring it. Right? Meaning the idea of a finished product versus the raw materials. You know, like Pesach is the raw materials. It's still unformed. It's still animal level. 
and the idea of by, but whereas bread animals don't bake bread animals don't grind wheat or make it into bread or anything like that and the idea that you know that, that the she'alechem is re- represents the development to complete human beings whereas the Ketir Sorim is still in the early stages or he also mentions Ralbag in another place mentions the seasons representing life that spring is the beginning of a person's emergence as a you know becoming aware and growing and summer is the fullness of it and fall is when your mental powers increase but your physical starts to decrease because things start to fall up the trees and then of course winter is it's all over but he uses that also so the idea of a uh, of uh, the scene being one of natural birth and growth and maturity and Ruth also having had a rebirth basically leaving her uh, you know her mother and father coming to a totally new place starting fresh we can imagine that by th- right by the end of the, by the end of this second harvest let's say she must have felt much more like this is my place now. meaning when she came it was really like tentative and a lot of uncertainty, felt like an outsider, and, and, and didn't really feel like part of the uh, part of the picture. And, oh, they're doing Minchai. Do you want to join them? Yeah, we should. There you go.